You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Now you should be turning to Isaiah 59, verse 14. But in Colossians 2, 8, the Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So when I say is America ruined, I'm thinking about that verse being spoiled through philosophy. And folks, I want to tell you, America has been spoiled through philosophy, uh, vain deceit, and the traditions of men. Uh, But is there hope? I want you to imagine with me just for a moment that as you were walking out of your house to come to church today, imagine that you saw something unusual a figure uh, in your street. And as you drew a little bit closer to get a look, you realize that it's a man laying on your street. And maybe you you notice that he's, he's not moving, and as your curiosity draws you a little bit closer, you see that he's had some of his clothes stripped off, you can begin to see the bruising and the blood uh, from uh, that this man has obviously been robbed, thrown out, something, but here he is. He's barely moving. He's barely breathing, so he's obviously still alive. Uh, you get a little bit closer, and you realize that maybe there's some help for this man. I, I wonder what you would do in a situation like that, and this sounds a lot like the, the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus gave. He saw a man that had been like this, but what would you do if you saw a person like that this morning? Um, The Bible says in Isaiah 59 verse 14, it says, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter truth is fallen in the street and equity can not enter now we may have not seen a man like that outside of our door today but i submit to you that if you take a really good look you will find out that truth has been beaten truth has been stripped truth today is lying in the street before us If you get close, you'll see again that it's been bruised, it's bloodied, it's stripped. But I want to tell you, it's still moving and it's still breathing, though it's fallen in the street. And I wonder, is there any among us who would be willing to go to truth's aid that would help mend it, pick it up, save it? Truth is fallen in the street in our country truth is fallen in the street in our world see our country has drifted the reason our country has drifted is because the church has drifted the reason the church has drifted is because parents have drifted and as a result of that we see that kids are drifting in our country What has happened? Again, truth has taken a beating. It has been stripped, robbed, and left lying on the streets of our country. 
There was a Barna poll done fairly recently that 64% of Christian adults, those who claim to be Christian, 64% of adults and over 80% of teens do not believe in absolute truth. Do not believe, and I'm, I'm not talking about a, just a general poll, a Barna poll polling those who claim to be Christian. 64% of adults, 80% of Christians. Up to 80% of young people, by the way, I don't believe these numbers are a coincidence, that 80% of those that claim to be Christian teens uh, do not believe in absolute truth. Also, up to 80% of young people are leaving the church 12 months after graduation. They say goodbye. The clip that's going on in our country right now is amazing, and it's terrible. And what I want to tell you, folks, it all comes down to world view. It all comes down to truth. What is truth? The healthiest thing that we can do to develop the next generation of young people is to help them see the world as God sees the world. You say, well, preacher, that's why I bring my kids here to this church. And that's glad I'm well, so glad we got such a great youth pastor that tries to get that across. I want to tell you today that that's not enough. Because we in our country today have been inundated with philosophy uh, that is against truth. We've been inundated with Colossians 2.8, vain deceit, the traditions of men. And what's being pumped into our children through media, through schools, through colleges and universities, oftentimes is a worldview that opposes God. Truth is falling in the street. Now, as I think about this this morning, you know, I, I could even ask our young folks these questions, and we have a few over here, and I, for some reason, I always go over here. They're a lot of times sit over here. But just asking and wondering how young people today, how you would answer these questions today. Number one, is there a such thing as truth? That's the first question. Is there a such thing as truth? Or is everything a matter of opinion or personal preference? Is there a fixed set truth? Uh, there was, a, there was a, I just remembered this poll, I didn't write it down, but there was a poll, another poll done, and this was done with uh, uh, younger, like elementary school age kids in the church, and when they were asked, where does truth come from? Their answer to that was, from me. I decide what is truth. Now you may say that sounds like a childish answer, but I'm telling you, that's exactly what they're being taught today. I decide what's truth. Uh, I have my truth, you have your truth. Uh, and, 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 this, and what I'm telling you is that is an assault on truth. That is beating truth. That is hitting truth. That is truth taking a hit. Is truth relative? Now, I want to say this about uh, relativity. We, uh, the, the word is kind of famously associated in, in the science world with Albert Einstein and, the, and the, uh, you know, the theory of relativity as far as you may be sitting there still this morning, but are you really sitting there still when our earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour? You know, so in, in a relative sense, he, that, that, that's a different, that's relativity and a scientific uh, idea. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the relativity of truth. Now, rel relativism says that everything is right sometime, 
but nothing is right all of the time. Relativity. Uh, can something, and I just ask, I'm really asking you today, young folks, listen to me, I'm asking you this question. Can something be true for you and not true for me? Now, and I'm talking about a fixed moral truth. Now, uh, I, I want to give an example. There, there is a such thing as relative truth. How many of you were comfortable when you walked out of your uh, house today? There may be a few of you to where say, man, I think it feels nice. In here this morning, there's a relative truth among us. There are those that say, man, this is the perfect temperature in here this morning. But there's somebody else that says, I'm freezing. Somebody else is over here fanning, I'm burning up. That's a relative truth. Are you comfortable? But So there is, a rel there is relative truth. Truth is relative in that sense. Uh, that's a relative truth, I suppose. But it's not really a set, fixed truth. A set, fixed truth, an absolute truth is that at, that at 32 degrees, water freezes. And so do I, by the way. Water freezes. It is a law. It is a fixed law. 32 degrees, it freezes. There's a certain temperature. It's a, it's a fact. It's, a, it's not your opinion whether it freezes or at what temperature it uh, you know, boils and goes into steam and so forth. But, it, but in, as far as fixed truth, can something be true for you and not for me? Uh, see, here's the attitude today. I believe this. You believe otherwise, but we're both correct. We have, we have, not only do we have two different sets of truths, we have a plethora of truth. Folks, truth has fallen in the street. That's an assault against truth. For centuries, the purpose of education was the pursuit of truth. You realize in our country today that's no longer the case? It is not the pursuit of truth any longer. Uh, see, your truth, quote unquote, we, we, we can, see now, you do not have your truth. Let me just help you here. You do not have your truth, and me have my truth. You can have your perspective, you can have your experience, but that is not your truth. Truth is fixed. Truth is absolute. Uh, the, the, the whole idea, see, absolute truth versus relative truth. The truth for you, but not for me, relativism, requires the acceptance of obvious contradictions and denial of reality and common sense. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll just use this example, for instance. Someone may say, someone may decide to get up on the, the highest point of the church building out there and jump off this afternoon. I would not encourage it. But if you did not believe in gravity enough, then, well, that's your truth. I don't believe in gravity. I do not believe I'll fall. And then for me to say, well, my truth is that I believe that I will fall. I, I believe that, that gravity will have an effect on me. So you, we, we both jump off the building. I jump off, fall to the ground. But you have a different truth. Your truth says there's no gravity. So what happens to you now? You just float there. Maybe at will you just gradually come down. That's, that does not make sense. It's an absolute nonsense. 
But that's where we live today. Oh, you have your truth. Our, our truths are contradictory, but we're both right. That is relative truth, and I'm telling you, relative truth is not truth at all. Relative truth, in fact, is very dangerous, and I will not be able to say everything about truth I want to say today, uh, but I'll say all that I possibly can in the time that we have today. But uh, th think about this. Where was the first assault of truth ever launched? It was launched in the Garden of Eden by Satan himself. Jesus said that Satan was a liar from the beginning, and he's a liar. The Bible says he's the father of liars and the father of lies. He said in Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. See, he said, Is that true? Is what God said true? Is that truth? Or is there another truth? Is there another truth that God is hiding from you that if you eat from that, you will become wise? And, uh, and, and you'll become like a God. And so there was this other truth that Satan uh, presented. I want to say this quickly. Truth matters to God. Uh, truth matters to God. Epistemology matters to God. And epistemology is just simply means it's the, the nature and study of truth. Or what is truth and where does it come from? Truth matters to God. How do we know this? Because he gave us the word of truth. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy, tr thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Uh, Romans 3 verse 4 the Bible says yea let God be true but every man a liar hey the Holy Spirit if you're saved you were saved because you heard the the Word of God and the Holy Spirit convicted your heart and drew you to salvation you know who the Holy Spirit is how be it when he the Spirit of truth is come the Bible is the word of truth the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth the Son of God Himself said, I am the truth, in John 14, verse 6. The church, according to 1 Timothy 3, 15, the Bible says, the house of God, which is the, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. We have the word of truth. We have the spirit of truth. Uh, listen, Jesus said, I am the truth. And He said, the church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. The, listen, the truth matters to God. And one reason the truth ought to matter to us today is that to know truth is to know God. Jesus said, I'm the truth. So if you know Jesus, guess what? You know the truth. And if you know the truth, you know Jesus. Jesus said this in John 8, 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So there was a time... See. There's fixed truth, and we adjust our lives according to fixed truth. I get up on that building, I do not jump off, because there is a fixed truth. Gravity is not, there's a law that will not adjust to me. But there is a truth, there is a fact that I'm going to have to adjust to. That's the way truth works. And now you understand why people don't really like truth. That's why how you realize that that's not the truth that's being propagated today. 
because people don't want to have a fixed truth, a fixed standard that you adjust to. Folks, we want there to be this thing to where I decide the truth and then it adjusts to me. See, uh, we, we rely on fixed truths. Absolute truth is not a, a bad thing. Let me tell you that. Number one, it doesn't matter if it is or not because absolute truth is a fact. But one of the things about absolute truth, we rely on fixed truths to navigate life. Otherwise, life can get very confusing. Uh, can you imagine that if every way was really right? That's, not, that's just, you, I hope you understand how, that's, how ridiculous that is. If going this way is the right way, going the opposite of that cannot be the correct way as well. There's a right, there's a wrong. And absolute truth, what absolute truth teaches us and confirms with us is it helps us to navigate through this life. If there's always a way on our compass that's pointing north for everyone, it helps us to know what is right. See, truth is a matchup with reality. Okay, so again, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, again, I'll say, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, if you'll just bear with me for a little bit, I want to tell you how we got here through philosophy and vain deceit, where we are today, to where absolute truth is not only questioned, but out and out denied. Matter of fact, absolute truth is even called bigoted today. But it's interesting to see the digression and the, the beating that truth has taken. Why is truth lying before us today? It's been beaten. When did it start getting beaten up? Well, I told you the Garden of Eden, but there's always been someone to stand for it. In other words, think about this. The paradigm of truth for hundreds and really 1,500 years was this. There's the Creator God under which all truth resides. Historical, uh, geological, anthropological, uh, philosophical, on down the list, there's a Creator God. All this truth falls under the Creator, the one from whom all things came. Now, on the scene, from a historical standpoint, in the 14th century, uh, there came humanism. Not that it really totally originated then, but it really gained popularity, humanism. Humanism is a cultural movement uh, that gained uh, momentum in Italy. Among its principles, humanism promoted the idea that man was the center of his own universe. The, and that, that people should embrace human achievements in education, classical arts, literature, and science. So this idea of humanism came along. Man is the center of the universe. By the way, you want to know something our young people are being taught? They're the center of the universe. It, all, what, what matters is what matters to you. And, uh, and, and it, we'll, we'll talk more about the digression of that in just a moment, but... Humanism in the 14th century. Now, this gave rise to the Renaissance. Now, I'm not saying everything about the Renaissance was bad, but it gave rise to the Renaissance from the 14th to the 17th century. 
In other words, the, the idea for, of the Renaissance at the heart of the humanist side of it was this. We don't need God. Look how great man is. And they begin to make the statues to man and the images of men and, and the exaltation of man. We, and, and, and they don't bring God all the way down. They just bring God down a little bit. And then they elevate man a little bit. That's what happened in the Renaissance under, uh, under humanism. Following and at the tail end of the Renaissance comes the Enlightenment, 1685 to 1815, a movement that questioned traditional authority and embraced the notion that humanity could be improved through rational change. Now again, I'm not saying everything about the Enlightenment era was wrong, but at the heart of the rebellious side of it was this. We don't need God. See how great we can reason. So the Renaissance and humanism said, we don't need God. Look how great man is. And so it brought God down a little bit, brought man up a little bit further. The Enlightenment says, again, <laughs> that uh, we don't need God. Look how well we can reason. It didn't bring God all the way down. It just brought God down a little bit more, brought man up a little higher. And you're closing the gap between man and God as far as in man's reasoning is concerned. The Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was a movement, uh, I've already said that, that uh, uh, questioned that. In other words, they said this, see how great we can reason. We can reason through the sin problem. The great philosophers uh, we can reason through the sin problem. We can reason through salvation. See, in other words, uh, it's, it's, it's just a way of dismissing the need for God. And, and I do want to add to this. There was, uh, during this time, especially during Europe and other places, the Roman Catholic Church was in control, um, which was not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, the church of God and doing th things the way that God would have them to do. So a lot of the rebellion was coming against the rebellion of the, the Roman Catholic Church, the Enlightenment, for instance. They did want to keep people in darkness so that they could keep them under control. Uh, so that is not right. Um, but I just want to acknowledge that, the, that when you hear about the church and Christians, uh, you know, for instance, with Galileo and stuff, you know, uh, uh, being put there, folks, that was not Christianity because Christianity is always wants the truth to be known and wants truth to be pursued. But the Roman Catholic Church uh, fought against that. But so there's, uh, there's, the, there's humanism, Renaissance, Enlightenment. Um, there was... Uh, through the Enlightenment, there became a great attack on truth by, by a man named George Frederick Hegel. Now, you may not be familiar with Hegel, but all I want to tell you today is that our society is influenced by Mr. Hegel today. Truth is being beaten up all through these movements. But George Frederick Hegel, a philosopher in the 1820s, um, again, remember, still accepted by people is that there was the idea of, of moral absolutes. There was a right and there was a wrong. But Hegel rejected the idea of moral absolutes. And I, just to put it as simply as I can, he had what he calls a dialectic, a dialectic theory. A dialectic is basically an argument. A dialectic is basically an argument. Basically, he said that all history is made up of thesis, antithesis, and synthesis. 
Thesis is just simply an idea that people hold to to be true. And under his philosophy, he says it's an idea, a thesis, that people hold to to be true until someone comes along with an, ant an antithesis, an antithesis, that argues that what you've believed all this time is not wrong. And at that time, the antithesis begins to fight with the, with the thesis, and either they reach a place of compromise, or the antithesis perhaps overcomes, and then you get a synthesis. So what he, under his philosophy, he says, so now you get a new truth. Until there's another, so, so now a new thesis is uh, established until another antithesis comes, uh, antithesis comes along, and, and, and it just goes on and on. Therefore, he said, as a result of that, there can be no absolute truth. He theorized that since it's always moving truth, there's no fixed standard of right or wrong. Now, as confusing as all that may sound, you may be surprised to find how many people do not believe in a fixed moral standard of right and wrong. It influences our society to its core. It gets to the heart of where we are right now. Going all the way back then, it influences people today. Well, maybe that's wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. No, that's not the case. There is a fixed standard, and if it's wrong for me, it's wrong for you. If it's right for me, it's right for you. I mean, we see this. Abortion is a good example of this. People say, well, you know what, I guess it just depends. And you could just go on down the line. Did, did you realize, it's, it, you don't have to go too far back in, in America to where abortion was openly criticized by all. I mean, as far as all that were in any sort of real leadership. Thought to be an awful thing. But then uh, as, as time goes, it begins to be accepted. Uh, and and you, you look at the things that are getting more and more accepted. I mentioned last week, it is now accepted, uh, you know, uh, that the, uh, it's been a couple years ago, but it's still these kind of things going on. It's now accepted to have a big drag queen that's dressed like a half-woman uh, demon uh, that is out at the gay nightclub on Friday night into Saturday morning to show up later Saturday morning to give story time to our kids. And that's acceptable. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. That may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. You, you read history. See, it's the same thing. What you don't understand is that you may, you may not appreciate that type of philosophy as much as you think. At the Nuremberg trials, there was a great problem. The Nuremberg trials is where they were trying to try the Nazis for their acts against the Jews, Christians, handicapped, homosexual, uh, right on down the line. You know, six million Jews, five million others. Uh, that they killed. But during the Nuremberg trials, there was a great issue faced even within our country that was trying them because we were already buying in to this uh, Hegelian philosophy. So we're trying to try the Nazis. You listen to me. We're trying to try the Nazis for putting, pe putting people into a room and gassing them for doing experiments, sewing two people together to see if they can uh, grow together, doing all these experiments. One particular uh, witch, uh, they, they called her, uh, would actually, I mean, they, they, had, they had lamps and uh, 
furniture, book covers, you name it, made of Jewish skin. I mean, we can't even begin to describe the horrific nature of the Holocaust. But some of you accept it. If you believe what you say you believe, you must accept it. Why? Based on what those Nazi uh, uh, soldiers and Nazi, Nazi generals said. We understand, they say, to those that are trying them, why it's wrong to you. Because in your culture, you're taught that that's wrong. But in our culture, we were taught that that's the right thing to do. So based on your philosophy, and any sound philosophy, you can follow all the way through to its logical conclusion. And that is the logical conclusion to this argument, that truth is relative. Is it right to you? Well, you know what? It may not be right to you. It may be, that's wrong to me. I would never do that, but boy, it's right to you. That was the argument of the Nazis. And that is the same argument that people have today. Now, people may try to bring it into different areas. Well, I would never do that, say that about killing people. I just say it about these other moral issues. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised once you buy into this philosophy, it's a slippery slope. And uh, so, so uh, this, this attack that started, uh, you know, as far as philosophically speaking, that was really uh, uh, Frederick Hegel. And man, I'm telling you, it's permeating our culture today. I'll try to, uh, man, I'll try to just stop, my goodness. Uh, uh, I could go on, and I'll probably say more about this later. There was another philosopher that came along in the 1830s, just about 10 years later, uh, Feuerbach who basically said that if, uh, if there's no absolute truth, then there can be no God. And there's a lot I could say about that. He inspired Darwin, Marx, Sigmund Freud, uh, Friedrich Engels, uh, uh, Richard Wagner, Friedrich Nietzsche, God is dead. And that's the whole idea, is that if there's no absolute truth, then there can be no God. Because if there's a God, there is absolute truth, and so the philosophy just goes on. And so they just keep, keep building on this. Then uh, Karl Marx, in just a few years after that, the Industrial Revolution came along. There's all these things that I'll not be able to go into detail about this morning. But basically, Karl Marx built on the ideas of Feuerbach and Hegel. And then Charles Darwin built on those ideas. And then uh, coming all the way into the 20th century, Sigmund Freud began to build on those ideas. And what we have is the society that we have today. And I want to give you just in closing this morning a couple things. And I'll, I, I, I know I'm going to have to do this message in two parts. I was really struggling with how I was going to present this today. But I just want to say a few things this morning about truth. Will you pick it up? Will you help it? See, one thing about absolute truth is absolute truth is universal. Absolute truth is universal. The idea that absolute truth only applies to them that believe it, again, is ridic ridiculous. The most fundamental law of logic and reality is called the law of non-contradiction. It's a law applying uh, introspective, I'm sorry, irrespective of a person's culture or religious background. We have all these moves, multiculturalism, things that we call tolerance, things that we call all these other things that I'm telling you, they are not what they sound like they are. And I'll deal with those more in the days to come. But the point is this. The, the, the most fundamental law of philosophy just says this, 
Basically, the law of non-contradiction says that a thing cannot be both A and non-A at the same time and in the same relationship. Therefore, something cannot be true and not true at the same time. The reality is everybody believes in absolute truth. Even those who say they believe truth is relative. And those, and, and this is, this is it's, it's kind of funny, but it's not. But here's the thing about those who teach that all truth is relative. They will teach that there is no absolute truth and that truth is relative. You can have your truth. I can have my truth. You're, you're right. Y'all totally disagree, but you're both right. And then you ask the professor that's uh, spouting this nonsense, and he says, well, professor, is that true? And the professor replies, absolutely. Absolutely it's true. Because think about how offensive it is. See, I'm going against their quote-unquote absolute truth that there is no truth. Truth is trodden in the street. Truth has been beaten. Folks, there is, a, there is an absolute truth. I mean, uh, th 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 so absolute truth is universal. Somebody says, well, in their culture, this was not considered wrong. I, I, I watch a lot of history and things of that nature, and they'll show some things that they, well, you know, in their culture, this wasn't wrong. doesn't matter what culture you're in. You listen to me closely, young people, old people, there is an absolute fixed law of morality. There is a right, there is a wrong, you may not like it, and by the way, I want to add this. This is so important to understand. The problem that people face today is not, is not an intellectual problem. It's not so much a philosophical problem today. You look at the heart of every one of these anti-God philosophers and you'll find one key point, immorality. And for the people that you know for the most part that refuse to believe the truth of God's Word and you want so badly to get them to listen and to understand and to give them all these great uh, intellectual arguments, that's all well and good. I believe in having intellectual arguments. But you need to understand something. Their problem is not an intellectual problem. Their problem is a sin problem. Their problem is a loving sin problem. And the interesting thing is, many of these philosophers admitted that truth is universal, number one. Absolute truth is revealed. Revealed. It's not created. It's not made up. Folks, God's Bible reveals absolute truth. Absolute truth is universal. Absolute truth is revealed. Number three, absolute truth is exclusive. Exclusive. See, let me give you this one, please. And I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I want to give you these more in more detail maybe at another time, but why do we have such a hard time in our culture saying what I believe is right and what you believe is wrong? Why do we find it so difficult? Some may be even wincing at the idea of saying that somebody's belief is wrong. See, absolute truth is exclusive. The problem is that we have confused diversity and pluralism. Diversity is simple, simply acknowledging that there are a number of different opinions uh, about a certain subject. We all acknowledge that there are many opinions, especially about religion. There are thousands of religions in the world. 
There are diversities of, opinion, of opinions about religion. But pluralism goes a step further. Pluralism says that because there's a diversity of opinions, no one viewpoint can claim to be right. And we as now as a country embrace pluralism. The idea that no one belief system can claim to be right, but there's absolute truth. If there is absolute truth, then obviously there's absolute untruth. But we've got to embrace it all. Oh yeah, you're right, I'm right, we're all right. That's not the case. That is not the case. There is absolute moral truth. All religions cannot be telling the truth about God. See, I've got a problem. I love listening to the national speakers and radio people. But it's interesting to me the level of many of their compromises. See, to me, when they start talking about holding hands with this church over here and this church over here, but this quote-unquote church over here does not teach that Jesus is the only way to heaven, I've got issues with that. There's a level of compromise there. See, they cannot be, what they say about God and what, what the Bible says about God, they can't both be true. And I'm not going along with somebody that disagrees with what, what, what the, the way of salvation, about what God says about the Bible, about God, he, that, what, who he says is the way to heaven. Man, I got so much. Uh, I'll, I'll just give you these two more and I'll give them to you quick. Lastly, I'll just give you this one more. Absolute truth is relational. Why is this idea of absolute truth so important? Because Jesus said, I am the truth. I said it earlier, but to know truth is to know God, and to know God is to know the truth. Why is this assault on truth so egregious? Because, yes, it affects the minds beginning with young people, but even to us about our view of God. It'll affect our witness, won't it? If we think, oh, well, you know, there's many ways. Well, wait a second, Jesus said there's one way, and he said, I'm the way. It'll affect our witness. It'll affect the way we go about things. I mean, see, it just it starts off, you say, well, what's all this philosophy? The Bible says, beware, lest any man be spoiled through philosophy and vain deceit. What I'm telling you is America has been spoiled through philosophy. <laughs> I mean, you, you, when you learn about this stuff, you see it, you see it in, in the, on, on movies and TV shows every day. You hear it in music every day. You see it across the media every day. And our tax dollars are paying teachers and professors to teach it every day. And what it does is it leads people ultimately, there's no absolute truth. Step further, therefore there can be no God. If there's no God, then, uh, then well, where did all this come from? Well, uh, it, it must have just evolved from nothing. Okay, we can accept that. And if it all evolved from nothing, then nothing matters. And then, and then if there's no right or wrong, then whatever impulses I have, you cannot tell me that those impulses are wrong. Parents should not be allowed to tell their children that their impulses are wrong. You know, Sigmund Freud, I mean, you know, it, it, you got a three-year-old that's trying to saw the legs off your kitchen table. Sigmund Freud says, make sure you keep the saw sharp so that you don't get the, the poor deer frustrated, you know. You, you, you can't correct. You've just got to go. That's what Freud teaches, and that's what's come into our country. And then you look around and wonder why we're in the mess we're in. But I got good news. 
Truth is, has been trodden in the street according to the book of Isaiah. But I want you to know something. Truth is still standing. God gave that illustration. But I want you to know something. Truth is still standing. Amen. Listen, the, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that when this world is burning, this word will still be standing. So you better be found standing on the right side. I'll tell you that much. Make sure today. I said truth is relational. What it really gets down to is this. The truth of the matter is this. Worldview, God is your creator. Since he's the creator, he makes the rules. He sits the, there's a fixed standard that God, moral standard that God has. We've all violated that standard. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus in his love, the, the love of exclu, the, the exclusive nature of the cross. By the way, if the cross wasn't, then Jesus' death was in vain. But he died. Why? To make it easy for you. There's one way. There's one way. Trust in him. He's paid the price for you. Truth is relational. The reason absolute truth matters, i got to say this. Let's all stand, and I'm going to ask uh, Miss Sonia to come.